Hi, this is Erica Potter. And this is Hunter Willis. And this is Hot Girl Briefing. Hey, Erica. Hey, Hunter. So before we get into the episode today, we do just want to take a moment, apologize. We know the Hot Girls went MIA. To be fair, I will say it was finals time. And for any of those listeners out there that have been in school, you know that finals week is not just finals week. You know that if you're writing term papers, you're doing it at least the week before too. And then if you have other stuff, so I was also TAing this last quarter too. So God knows I had to grade and finish up all of like the missing assignments if any students were turning them in. It was a it was a very busy time during finals week. So I truly do apologize on my behalf for the pod not being here, but the hot girls, we were going through it. It was the quarter. It was an evil, evil quarter. It was probably my most evil quarter yet so far. So um I will not be having as much to do this next quarter. So we will be here full time after this. And we know that it's not cool just to go MIA. So next time we'll give y'all a bit of a warning, but there just wanted to put that out there right in the beginning. <laughs> yes. Like Hunter said, you know, he's about to graduate. So I, I know I can relate. And also I was crazy. Times. I'm not in school, but I work full time. And if you guys remember, I did start a new position. So it's, it has been a challenge guys. Definitely a challenge, but like Hunter said, it is, we, we definitely should have communicated and we will. And, and you know, hot better. girls, we're working on our communication skills because as hot girls, we know that we are never done learning. Erica had a very great nail appointment today where she was imparted <laughs> with a lot of knowledge. So we are, yeah. <laughs> we're trying to take that knowledge of never, never fully being the smartest person in the room. And so you always want to learn more. And one of those things, communication. We know we're Geminis. We can absolutely work on that. Yes. And also like Hunter and I were super busy, right? But we don't want to ever produce or po put out anything that is less than our top tier quality. So that's absolutely. another reason. Like we're not going to just like throw an episode that's like half halfway done. You guys know the saying. Yeah. Have we done and just post it just so we can get some content out for you guys? No, our content is going to be the best of Hunter and I. So that's another reason why we didn't release anything because it would have just honestly been a crime against Hawker Briefing to submit anything less than amazing in our eyes. Absolutely. So instead, we are coming back with a bit of a bang. We're trying out a new kind of like a script layout too. So let us know if you guys are liking this episode because we did kind of try and rearrange it a little bit, kind of have it be we're just kind of going for a little bit of a difference here. We're trying to keep the podcast evolving, growing as always. So we figured, hey, what better time than coming back from a bit of a break and see how see how the hot girls like it. So without further ado, we're going to get into our topic today. So Erica, do you want to do you want to start us off here? Yes. So we're going to be talking about South Korea and Japan's blossoming friendship, which is a really funny way to say it, considering the fact that it is cherry blossom season over in Japan right now. Mm -hmm. We're witty like that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So they are emerging as friends. Do we know if they're besties? We'll find out in the episode. So Hunter, you want to start us off? Yes. So, all right. So lots going on in the world and two of the United States besties, they just started their new path to becoming besties as well with each other. So since it's such a big thing, we really just wanted to make an episode about it. So without further ado, here we are talking about Japan and South Korea. So it's kind of a big deal. It was just recently they had their first summit in 12 years. So we're getting somewhere. We're getting somewhere. 
So both President Yoon Suk-yeol of South Korea and Prime Minister Fumio Kishida of Japan are attempting to overcome a long and not so lighthearted history between their countries so that they can really start cooperating with one another. So it makes sense because they're both pretty significant powers within the region and they usually share the same goals. It's just that their publics have a very strong dislike of each other because of their history. But at the end of the day, they're both democracies. They're both pretty technologically advanced. I mean, when I think of tech, I always think of Japan because I think that, you know, it's one of the most technologically advanced societies in the world. They're both scared of North Korea because they both face threats from North Korea. I mean, you always hear about missiles going over Japan, but to do that, it kind of has to go over South Korea, too. I mean, I think everybody's afraid of North Korea. Yeah, honestly, you know, North Korea in term like in the nicest way to put it in the global system is kind of like that really aggressive toddler that'll just kind of go and like bite your ankles or something. But, you know, I mean, there's a lot of history there, but North Korea, a little dicey in the global system. They're also both pretty hesitant towards China. So, I mean, they do have a lot of aligned interests. So you'd think that this would have done sooner, but not really given the history between the two. So, Erica, do you want to tell us a bit about the history between Japan and South Korea? Yeah. So the tension mostly stems from Japan having colonized the Korean peninsula from 1910 to 1945, where almost 800,000 Koreans were made to be forced laborers in mines and factories for Japan. And in addition to this, South Korean women were being pushed into sexual slavery that were known as quote unquote comfort women. I know we've, I think we've discussed this before the, mm-hmm. but not like in depth about the comfort women. We've discussed briefly about tensions with Japan and Korea. And we've definitely talked about Japan in 1945. They were a whole different, yeah, whole Japan different was at that point. Yeah. Much different actor. So, you know, it makes sense that South Korea is going to have some feelings towards Japan after that. And I mean, 1945 really wasn't all that long ago. And there are absolutely still people alive that remember these times. So it's no wonder why the South Korean public was not living and loving this summit. Mm-hmm. You know, they have some hesitancy. Yeah. And this whole situation as well, talking about the comfort women and the existing tensions, was made worse in several 2018 rulings where... South Korea's Supreme Court ordered two Japanese companies to compensate their former laborers, but companies refused to pay. So they had argued that the issue was settled when Seoul and Tokyo established diplomatic relations in 1965. And that was a direct quote from Anthony Kuhn from NPR. To make it even worse, somehow, Japanese companies such as Mitsubishi, they've apologized to U.S. prisoners of war when they were made into forced laborers. And they even compensated Chinese forced laborers. So it's like you, there is this precedent of where these companies, they have apologized in the past, but it's only to these even bigger countries that the Japan is almost kind of like beholden to or a little afraid of because Japan's not really afraid of South Korea. It, they see them more as an equal. The dynamic there, it's like, you're only going to apologize when you're forced into it or you feel like you have to because of some dominance factor, which like that completely negates the whole point of an apology because then it's not genuine. So I was going to say that's like not even a real apology. If yeah. it's fake, I don't want it. Yeah. So it's a fake apology. So that just like compounds the issue even more because that's recent. So you already have this historical kind of trauma between the two countries and where the publics have a real big disalignment. But then you also go into this and then you have this super recent of where, you know, this wasn't that long ago. This was in 2018, 2019 that this was happening. So, I mean, four years ago, like that's pretty, that's still pretty fresh in the public's mind right there. So 
Erica, well, Tokyo's wanna... like been there, done that. That was settled in 1965 when we yeah. like officially diplomatically became mm -hmm. acquaintances, like, you could say. Yeah. And it's like, well, it, it not really because it's still a pretty big issue within the public. So you might think that it was settled when you established those diplomatic relations. But in the end of the day, it's really not. So it's just... it kind of sounds like Tokyo was like, this is settled. We're fine. And South Korea is like, no, I'm still... Still feeling hurt from this. And Tokyo's like, yeah. no, it's settled. It's fine. Like, no, like, I apologize back in the day. And it's like, like, we didn't really, but. Shut it down. You're sounding like a broken record, kind of. Like, mm -hmm. it's done. Yeah. So moving on to, like, the actual summit, what actually happened? So during the summit, both parties, they'd agreed to resume, quote, shuttle diplomacy. So this is where both leaders, they visit the other quite frequently. And it's not essentially a formally arranged agreement. And so this helps out because it's not like both sides have to really be beholden to a schedule of visiting one another. You can go at any time. You can just keep on going with the shuttle diplomacy. Like obviously you would coordinate with the other government, but it's not this big set in stone of, okay, well, we're having this annual summit. We're doing this. It's all scheduled laid out. It's like a pop-up kiki. You could say. Yeah. Just a pop-up kiki. And like also love that. I think it's better for like the news as well, because think about like when other foreign leaders are going to other foreign or to going to foreign countries, it's kind of like made into this event. Yeah. And typically with an event, you think there's a reason. Mm -hmm. So they're like, no, let's just keep it casual, keep it light and flirty. Just drop by whenever you happen to be in the area, in the neighborhood. Yeah. Like feel free to come by. Like, obviously, you know, you gotta, it's, it's you know, you gotta cross the ocean to get there, but it's okay. Fun <laughs> it's little not, cruise like, yeah, on your, one of your cruise stops. Yeah. Get your plane up ready to go. And we'll, we'll just have a little kiki. It'll be fun. A little summer Pelly party. Over. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So in addition to that, both president Yoon and prime minister Kashida, they agreed to cooperate on many more fronts, including security, which this is pretty significant. And this is because they face a lot of those same security threats, which Ultimately, great to see, especially from a U.S. perspective, this is really good because the, I mean, the U.S. is allied with both Japan and South Korea. So now that your allies are getting along, that makes things great. So from a U.S. perspective, that's amazing. And then yeah. they all isn't that interesting to see also considering that Japan just rolled out this whole new security yes. policy, which we talked about in a previous episode, if y'all mm -hmm. remember. So go listen to it. But they're like, we're going to expand everywhere. And now we're seeing it discussed in the summit. Yeah. So, I mean, like you're seeing that, like it's actually being built on and it, it's not just a bunch of empty words that Japan really is going for this new engagement and new military strategy. So with this, they also agree to have a lot more people to people exchanges. And so this obviously helps create better relations between the public, just because now you're having more people there where you're like, okay, you know, it's not just some random public that I hear about across the world. Like, you know, the people that are there because you've been there, you've been in this country, you've stayed there for a hot minute. It's not just a, oh, okay, I'm going to take a day trip over to Japan or South Korea. It's like, no, like they'll go and do things for like student exchanges. So Japan specifically had talked about Genesis, which stands for the Japan East Asia Network of Exchange for Students and Youths. And also, quote, welcome to the announcement by economic organizations of both countries to establish, quote, the Japan ROK slash ROK Japan Future Partnership Fund for future-oriented Japan-Republic of Korea cooperation and exchange, end quote. So 
I mean, that's really great. And that was pulled straight from the Japan foreign ministry. So that's like really great to hear because you're seeing that they're really implementing these like large scale initiatives of where they really want to further integrate each other into a more allied stance instead of just being like partners of convenience or just doing it because the U.S. says so. Yeah, I mean, it sounds that it's pretty much a beginning of a new chapter in the relationship and it's a good start for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, economically, it seems to make sense from what we can see politically. You know, mm-hmm. they do have similar allies, similar states of nation, basically. I mean, you, you said it great earlier in the episode where they are similarly technologically advanced. It's just that uh, one last bit, it's just the the people. I wonder how the yeah. people are going to react to the summit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Erica, do you want actually want to go in and talk about those economic impacts a little bit too? Because that was a big part of the summit as well. Oh yeah, of course. I can't believe I would just skate over that. <laughs> so the two sides had already agreed, had agreed to take down trade dis- restrictions that they had launched against one another, which included Japan lifting restrictions on three semiconductor components, as well as the restrictions on fluorine polyamide, hydrogen fluoride, and photoresist to Korea. I'm so excited. You didn't tell me there was any organic <laughs> molecules in no. here, Hunter. <laughs> I know. I so, wanted to throw those in just for you. So excited. So South Korea said that they will withdraw their complaint against Japan from the World Trade Organization. And this is important since it will help grow South Korea's semiconductor and display industries. And so they did a little tit for tat, little trade, mm-hmm. which is great to hear. And these restrictions had come into play after the su- Supreme Court ruling in South Korea forcing Japanese companies, Nippon Steel and Mitsubishi Heavy Industries to pay former forced laborers. Mm-hmm. So they'd been in action for about four years, we'd say, because yeah. 2018. And now they're getting withdrawn back or rolled back, we could say, mm-hmm. from both sides due to the summit, which is pretty impressive i mean yeah maybe you guys don't think four years is a short time but like when we're talking like world politics like that's that is an impressive timeline well i mean especially like when you're talking about like semiconductors too because i mean they're both such large like tech giants within the world and so if you're holding back those like extremely important components to go and keep on with this technological advancement like that's extremely harmful to an economy. So the fact that now they're going and doing this, like that's a really great start to this new friendship. And you just see that this Supreme Court ruling, it really had such a big impact because that it was, I mean, there was already the historical tension there, but the Supreme Court ruling, it really just pushed it over the edge. And then especially right before COVID too, you're already limiting technology. And then throughout COVID, it was limited because there weren't as many people working in factories. You had chip plants burning down, bad things happening to the chip factories. We did a whole episode on that too. So go check that out if you forgot what happened throughout the pandemic with the chips, because trust us, it was a whole time. It was a whole thing. Obviously, we made a whole entire episode about it. I mean, Sounds like you have it, a chip on your shoulder about it. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I hated that so much, but we're going <laughs> to roll with that. We're just going to roll with it. But yeah, so I mean, it's just, it's a lot. And so you saw that the Supreme Court, it was, it was really impactful within the relations between Japan and South Korea. So the fact that they are able to start to mend these bridges, it's super important. And then just to go into the security component too. So as the two are resuming bilateral security talks, intelligence sharing also comes back onto the table as President, quote, Yoon said he agreed to 
in his words, completely normalize its military intelligence sharing agreement with Japan. He's quoted saying, I believe the two countries should be able to share information on North Korea's nuclear missile launches and trajectories and respond to them, he said. The agreement was originally cut off in 2019 after tensions had risen in over the Supreme Court decision in South Korea. So once again, we're seeing the Supreme Court decision really come into play. Although Japan and South Korea, they have been cooperating with the U.S. in a like trilateral fashion to the point where they, according to Rahm Emanuel, the U.S. ambassador to Japan, quote, had over 40 trilateral meetings at different levels over the past year, more than the preceding five years combined. Like, that's wild. I mean, 40 trilateral meetings at all different levels over the past year. That's that's a lot. I mean, you expect that from like neighbors that are besties. Like, you know, if the U.S. and Canada were doing it, you'd be like, OK, obviously. But with Japan and South Korea, where they haven't had the best relations in the past, 40 trilateral meetings at all different levels throughout the government. That's a big deal right there. Yeah. And the United States is living for this, guys, mm-hmm. because now they no longer have to be the mediator. They can go about foreign affairs in a much different way than they have been able to in the past four years, a much more efficient way, you could say, because being the middleman, I mean, even in your personal life, it is like frustrating when you're like, oh, tell so-and-so I said this. And then they say back, it's like telephone never ends well for anyone. So Mm -hmm. the U.S. is no longer having to play mediator, no longer having to play telephone. And since Japan and South Korea are big allies of the United States and integral to American foreign policy in Asia, the relationship status going from frenemies to a budding friendship, a blossoming friendship is extremely promising for the United States. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, this is also coming right after China had played the peacemaker between Saudi Arabia and Iran. So the U.S. was already it was, you know, kind of kicked while it was down over there because the U.S. already has such a dicey history with the Middle East. And so you're seeing that outside of Europe, the U.S. isn't always well received. And even in Europe, it's not even well received all the time. So, I mean, this is a really big deal for the U.S. of where it's like, okay, cool. Now our allies are starting to get on the same page. We can really evolve our Indo-Pacific strategy, our Asia strategy. This is a big deal for the U.S. So the U.S., it was it was a great time for U.S. foreign policy because obviously the U.S. had like some thing to do with this of kind of being like, okay, cool. Like, guess what? We're all going to meet in a trilateral fashion because it also just gives that ability to meet together to where the publics in each country don't have to get super upset that they're meeting because they're like, well, no, actually we're meeting with the U.S., but the U.S. is making us also meet with this person. So they can kind of like blame it on the U.S. and shift that blame. And the U.S., it, it was okay with taking that blame because it was like, hey, as long as we can get our two allies in the room and then they can start to work through some stuff, then that's really all that we care about. So the U.S. definitely was in the middle, the little meter at times. So it, in terms of U.S. foreign policy, it's a really good thing to see. It's a win. It's a W. Absolutely. Big dubs, which the U.S. foreign policy over the last, uh, I'd say, decade has <laughs> been a wee bit a wee bit um, dicey. We'll put it that way, to put it nicely. <laughs> so it's it's a good switch up from what we've seen in recent years. Well, we can thank President Yoon for taking that risk and putting aside the past, probably even angering his constituents so that he can put South Korea in a much better situation in regards to security in the region. And again, just with the United States and foreign diplomacy with Japan. I mean, Mm -hmm. they are so close to each other. Like having your neighbor as your bestie is so fun. I'd always wanted Mm -hmm. that when I was growing up. 
Obviously, oh, yeah. I'm talking about houses, not countries, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's still like similar vibe, yeah, though. It's similar vibes. Yeah. President mm-hmm. Yoon had was able to do this by setting up a fund where by voluntary donations from people and companies and possibly even Japanese companies would ultimately serve as funding for paying forced labors from 1910 to 1945 under Japanese colonial rule. So like we had talked about earlier, that Supreme Court ruling in 2018 was like a huge deal. Mm -hmm. So by setting up this fund, he was kind of able to mend some of the tensions. Of course, no one solution will fix everything, of course, as we know, but Mm -hmm. it is a great first step. And obviously it's working considering the blossoming friendship that we're reporting about today. Yeah, I mean, there's still a pretty big amount of the South Korean public that does not like this summit does not in, like they are not fans that it happened i think i saw a number it was around 60 percent were saying that they were not pleased with this summit so the fact that you have that large of a number it still says something but it's a start to all of this so president you i mean that's a big that's a big leap that he was taking when 60 percent of your constituency can really be upset with you and end up voting you out over something like this so Ultimately, the two leaders, they were able to get past public resentment enough to start relations up with one another more positively and get on a better foot, which obviously super beneficial for both of them. And that are they're still somewhat new to their positions. It's really interesting to see. And it's honestly really refreshing to see that leaders are going and trying to bridge gaps between others, especially with everything that's going on in the world right now. So basically, the girly pops said enough is enough. And now they're heading towards these super friendly fantastic relations against common threats, which is not only helpful to their own interests, but also to U.S. interests. So, you know, since we are a U.S.-based podcast, we do have to put it that U.S. perspective. So it's really great to see. But overall, the summit, great success. It was really, really well done. And honestly, a lot was achieved at this summit. I love hearing about new friendships. You know, it's it's just a wonderful thing. We I feel like a lot of times <laughs> we talk about doom and gloom around here, mm-hmm. but... We we are reporting happy news for you guys, for for most of us. We all want to be friends here. Mm-hmm. So if you are a North I'm, Korean listener, it might not be the best, but you know. I know. For... I was just about to ask. I was like, we we didn't really talk about China's view on this friendship, which I feel like is a great opportunity to leave it to our listeners. Tell us what you think China mm-hmm. thinks about this friendship, or what you if you were Xi Jinping. How would you react to news of this friendship? Yeah. Drop a comment in our Instagram, comment on our sourcing posts. Like we, I want to hear it. Mm -hmm. We want to hear it. Yeah. So let us know. And with that, we will see you all next week for another episode of your hot girl briefing. So stay hot, stay fun and fresh. Spring is here, y'all. We are moving into a new era. The hot girls are getting ready for summer. So enjoy your spring. Get that spring cleaning done. Go outside, take a walk, hear the birds chirp. If you don't have birds around you, I don't know what to say. Maybe find a bird somewhere, hear it chirp in the day, in the nice little sunlight where it's all warm again. So (laughs) that we will bid y'all adieu and y'all have a great rest of your week. Bye. Bye.